Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Uh, today we're going to pause. We're, we're going to take a pause on our series through the book of Acts. And uh, we are going to look at a passage in the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 6. And now you might be wondering, okay, we went from Acts to old school, 2 Kings 6, like Pastor Scott, help me. Like, how did that happen? Okay. Um, well, here, here's how that happened. I wrote my message for Acts 18. It was a, I think it was a really good message on the topic of work. I'm going to probably preach that next Sunday. Uh, a lot of times we think, well, you know, God will use me as I preach, as I have my small group and my discipleship group. God will use me, you know, as I do church things. But I'm going to argue next Sunday that God's going to also use you while you are faithful in your workplace. How many of y'all know that's one of the best places to, uh, to be a witness for Jesus? So I'm going to talk about that next Sunday, okay, and how you actually do that. But as I thought about today and I thought about all the uh, events taking place around the world, in particular the events taking place in Ukraine, well, I was at breakfast yesterday, yesterday morning with my beautiful bride, and, and we were there about to eat, and I looked over at her, and I said, baby, I, I think I'm supposed to preach on something different than Acts 18. And she looked at me like that, the look on her face was like, do tell. And so I shared with her, I said, you know, it's just been on my heart since, especially yesterday, that, that to, to preach on uh, something more fitting for the occasion, uh, something more fitting for what we're all going through, especially the people in Ukraine. And so I'm um, there having, you know, waiting on her food, drinking my water and coffee. And then I look over at her and I said, I got it. Like, how many, come on, Cajuns, how many of y'all get revelation while you're eating? That's why we eat so much, right? To get revelation. Well, you know, we had a couple of things chewing on, drinking the coffee, and then food started coming. I'm like, okay, I got it. I got it. She's like, what do you have? I'm like, here's the title. And she's looking at me like I'm crazy. And I think the people around me were as well. I think they were hearing that. I said, I got it. I got it. The title of my message, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The title of my message today is Surrounded, but Not Surrendered. Surrounded, but not surrendered. And I got this title because really this is a picture of how I think many of us feel. We feel, I think, surrounded by a number of different things, a number of different enemies. Uh, let me explain it this way. Uh, as I think back uh, to the year 2020, how many of y'all know that's when it seemed like all hell broke loose? If you look back before 2020, of course, there, of course, were problems. There was pressure. There have been issues, you know, as long as you go all the way back to Adam and Eve, there have been issues in the world. But it seems like when March, especially March of 2020 came around, it's like somebody turned up the heat. Do y'all notice that? Did y'all see it? Y'all feel it? It's like somebody turned up the heat. Like, well, the broad side of the barn would be, well, the pandemic, right? The pandemic came, COVID uh, wreaked havoc across the world. And uh, you look at not just COVID, but all the things that happened during that season from March 2024. And of course, there's always been racism. There's always been political division. But, but my goodness, I mean, wasn't it heated during that time? Like it got really, really nasty. 
And so there were, of course, physical issues. There was COVID. There was um, political and racial division, all of that. But then if you speed up to the present, well, as we look out the world today, well, the problems remain and it seems like they're getting bigger. Um, well, as you look out today in America, I, I don't know what you're concerned about today. And this isn't a political statement. This is just me looking at the price at the gas station at the pump saying that inflation is getting worse. Are y'all seeing that? So I'm not blaming anybody. I can talk about that in another setting. All I'm saying is we're dealing with some pretty serious economic issues Inflation, it's increasing. And so maybe as you're looking out today, you're, you're looking at the world. You see all these problems around us and, and not, not just those things. But, but how about the personal issues that you're walking through? Uh, you can talk about the economy when you're talking about politics. But what about your own personal life and your own marriage? I mean, some of you are facing big time pressure right now, big time tribulation in your own life and marriage or at your workplace. I mean, I could go on and on and on talking about all the problems and the pressure that we're facing. But I don't want to highlight everything that's wrong today, but I do, I do want to highlight this. I don't know how you feel, but if there's one word that summarizes how I have felt and how I currently feel, it's the word surrounded. I feel surrounded. D does anyone else here, you feel surrounded like by pressure and problems from the news. You turn this way and you look that way. I think we're all surrounded by a lot of problems. And as Martin Luther, the 16th century reformer said that we're always at battle with the, the world, the flesh and the devil. Okay. And so if you take all that together, how many of y'all would agree we're in the middle of war? Let me say it again. I need y'all to talk to me. How many of y'all know we're in the middle of a big war? We are surrounded in many ways on, 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 on every side. We are surrounded by a lot of different enemies all around. And, you know, who are we to talk about that? I mean, right now, if you think about the people in Ukraine, uh, like literally they are surrounded. Some of the cities are surrounded by Russians, by Putin's troops. And, I mean, think about this just for a second. Like we use it as a metaphor, like they are literally surrounded surrounded by their enemy. But, but what I love, let me talk about Ukraine for just a minute and Zelensky, uh, President Zelensky. Raise your hand if you'd even heard that name before this war. Some of you, okay, I'm going to talk about him in more detail in a minute, but listen to me. Here's something I want you to see about him. He and his people, many of them are, are surrounded by their enemy, but, but he refuses to do what? Surrender. He is surrounded. They are surrounded in many respects. But, but Zelensky said, I will not surrender to the enemy. Now, let me come back to you. How many of y'all know that's how we should be? That's how we should feel. We are surrounded. But listen to me, people of God. We should never, ever, ever surrender to the enemy because we know the one who surrounds us, the enemy that surrounds us is surrounded by God. And God is not surrounding our enemies to protect them. He's surrounding them to defeat them for your good and his glory. And so today, listen, you might feel surrounded by pressure on every side, but listen to me. Don't you dare surrender to the devil. Let me talk to you. Don't you dare surrender to that temptation or to those enemies coming against you. Isn't that what we want to do when we feel surrounded? What do armies do when they feel surrounded? When they've done everything that they know to do, what do they do? Well, oftentimes they do what? They give up. 
They throw up the flag. They give up and surrender to their enemies. Listen to me. I see this happening all the time. Forget the world. I'm talking about in the church. Christians who are surrounded and because they get discouraged, they lose perspective. They surrender and give up and stop fighting. Listen to me. This is happening all around us. And as far as it's up to me, as long as it's up to me, as long as I'm your pastor, I'm going to come into your life and to remind you of where your help comes from. You are surrounded by the enemy in many respects, but God is your deliverer. God is your help. God is your stronghold. It doesn't matter who comes against you. Greater is he that is in you and with you and for you than those who are against you. Come on, somebody. I'm going to wake up today. This is good stuff. God is for you. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that as you're sitting in your cubicle? Do you believe that when you're at school? Do you believe that? Because it's easy to believe here, I think, but it's challenging when you go out those doors to believe this. Do you believe it? Do you believe he's on your side? Do you believe that you are literally surrounded by God and his promises? How many of y'all know the promises of God are not yes and maybe? They're not yes and we'll see. The promises of God are yes and amen to the glory of God. No matter how bad your situation is, no matter how bleak or glum, God is faithful. God is good. And y'all should be excited because I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about your God and what he does in your life. My God, did I come to the right church? Listen to me. I'm fired up about this. Did I get the right revelation at breakfast? I think I did. You're surrounded, but don't you dare surrender. Don't you dare give up. Don't you dare sit there passively in the midst of a gigantic spiritual war and just expect victory. No, come on, y'all. We are the people of God and we should be engaged in this warfare with the weapons of God's word, with the weapon of God's of prayer to him, trusting him and believing him for the victory. Because come on, y'all, it's ours. It's ours. It is ours. And so today, I'm going to show you for the next several hours what this looks like. I'm teasing first time guests. I'm going to show you what this means from 2 Kings. So go there, 2 Kings chapter 6. And we're not going to go long, says the preacher, right? We're not going to go long, but I'm going to preach this and we're going to pray. But I'm so fired up about this truth I'm about to give you here in 2 Kings 6. There's no shame in going to the front of your Bible to see where 2 Kings is. Go there if you need to. We're going to have all the passages up here on the screen. So I'm going to read this. I'm going to preach it like it's my last sermon. Are you all ready to hear it? Three of y'all. I think I need to take a break. Okay, let's read it. Here we go. Second Kings chapter six, beginning in verse eight. Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants saying, at such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word. Think of this. Keep this in mind. The man of God, the man of God sent word to the king of Israel. Beware that you do not pass this place for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled, I guess so, because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, none, my Lord, O king, but say it with me, 
Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, go and see where he is that I may send and and what? And seize him. It was told him, behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what should we do? And then he said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Let me say that again. Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prayed and said this, Oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he did what? And he saw, what did he see? And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, this is not the way and this is not the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. The ones, if I could say, the ones who surrounded them were, well, in turn, surrounded by them. I mean, what an incredible story here. What an incredible account of what it looks like to be surrounded. But what I want to draw your attention to in particular is this, that the Syrian army sent men, sent horses, sent chariots, sent them down this army to encircle, to surround the city of Dothan. And by surrounding the city, surrounding Elisha and his servant. And as Elisha's servant gets up in the morning, we're told, he walks out, looks around, and what does he see? I just said it, that he's what? On every, that's what it means, right? In every direction, he's surrounded by this army. Now, I, I, want, I want to draw your attention to this question. Alas, my master, he says to Elisha, what do we do? We're surrounded. How many of y'all would be a little bit fearful if you woke up in the morning and it's just you and your master and there you walk out and you see an army all around you about to take you out? Now, we don't think this way because we're, well, we're in America and it's nice and it's safe here. And it is, how, how, about, how about this? Because other people have died for our freedom. Let me say that again. Thank you, veterans. Thank you all who have served. Because other people have, have secured this nice blanket that we sleep under. Thank God for that. But we don't have a category, those who haven't fallen, we don't have a category in our brains for what it looks like practically to be surrounded by enemies like they were. Are you all with me? But the servant gets up and he says, oh, dear heavens, we are surrounded. What do we do? And I think that's a question that a lot of us are asking today. What do we do? What do we do? We're surrounded. I 
feel this pressure. I feel the enemy coming to get me. What, what do I do? What do we do? Well, he said, let me read it one more time. Do not be afraid. I love this next statement. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then he prayed, Lord, open, open his eyes that he may, what? See. It says that the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. And so check, check this out. He's not saying open his natural eye. His eyes were open. He's praying, oh, Lord, give this man the ability to see into the spiritual. We walk around and we see with our natural eye. But one of the greatest prayers we should pray and can pray is, Lord, open my eyes so I can see beyond what I see. Lord, help me see beyond the ones that surround me to the one, to you who surrounds them. Lord, help me see what my natural eyes can't see. Let me see through the eyes of faith. Let me, let me see, God, the world. Let me see me. Let me see you the way you see me, the way you see us. Come on, shouldn't that be our prayer? Because from God's perspective... It's a whole different story. From our, our perspective, oftentimes, it looks like we're, we're, we're going to be defeated. It looks like we're going down. It looks like your marriage is over with. But from God's perspective, how many of y'all know he sees it a different way? And we need to learn to see things from God's way, from God's perspective. He said, Lord, open his eyes. And when he did, he saw the angelic host all around. And what I love here is, yes, yes, the servant was surrounded by his enemies, but God surrounded them once again, not to protect his enemies, but to deliver Elisha and his servant from them. And how many of y'all know that's true for us as well today? That you might be in many ways surrounded, but let me tell you something, saints. Come on, beloved. Do not ever, under any circumstances, ever ever surrender to a defeated enemy. But you say, well, he doesn't look defeated right now. Listen to me. Jesus Christ, when he bled, when he suffered, when he hung on that cross and rose from death, he crushed the power of the enemy under his feet. He crushed Satan. And yes, Satan's still on the loose today, but he is a defeated foe. And don't you ever forget that God, Jesus, our Lord and his Christ will have the final say in history. Not Stalin, not Putin, not any other ruler. Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He rules history and he rules your life. Don't you ever forget it, saints. Therefore, we are surrounded, but don't you ever surrender to the enemy. Listen to me, saints. We must surrender to Jesus and in him alone we find joy, victory, and peace. Are y'all tracking? Are y'all picking up when I'm laying down? Are y'all getting this? You feel surrounded. I get it. Don't you dare surrender. See, if we live by sight, we will be overwhelmed. But if we live by faith, we will overcome. Because faith gives us the ability to see what is otherwise unseen. Does that make sense? Lord, I see by faith your promises at work in my life. My circumstances say this. The facts say this, but the truth of your word says something different. So I'm going to believe your word over my circumstances. Does that make sense? So as we look at this topic of being <laughs> surrounded, 
Um, well, as mentioned, um, in the last few days, I've been keeping up with the war in Ukraine, and I don't normally watch the news, at least for very long. Uh, if I'm at Red's, I'm passing through, and, uh, you know, get me a sweet potato and a protein drink. I'll pass through a seat. Uh, Troy, my buddy's there. And uh, make my way through, and I, and I try to get through as fast as I can. I don't sit there very long watching the news um, for, for various reasons, okay? Uh, if you do, no harm, no foul. But this last week, I'm on vacation, and I just couldn't help myself. I, I watched several news stations, tuned in, and, uh, man, all the mess in Ukraine, it just drew me in. And, like, how many of y'all know it's been a crazy week? Like, you think you've had a bad week? You probably have. And if you, if, you say, if you say you have, I believe you, okay? But think about this. Think about an army coming in, driving you out of your home, forcing you to put everything that you own in your car and go west and not really have any idea where you're going. Think about that for just a second. Think about being displaced. Think about the fact that many people in Ukraine will never be able to come back to their physical homes. Think about that for just a second. Now, we have problems, but here's our problem. And I'm not minimizing it necessarily. It's real for you. But sometimes we think, well, i got a big problem. And oftentimes in the large grand scheme, it's not that big of a problem. What I just described, an army coming in, displacing you from your home, killing people along the way. Of course, that, how many of y'all know, that's a major crisis. And so I'm watching the news and I'm watching, I'm watching Putin's troops advance. And y'all, listen to me carefully. I wasn't expecting to get a sermon illustration from watching the news. But as I watched, in particular, President Zelensky, I'm like, God will use a secular example to offer a spiritual rebuke to his church. You say, what do you mean, Pastor Scott? Listen, I don't know much about the president there. Uh, I do know that he was a comedian. He was an entertainer. And then it seems like overnight now he is this incredible leader on the stage of world history fighting for his country. Now, I'm not endorsing his political views, his views about military and guns. Listen, that's a whole other discussion. But when I, when I look at President Zelensky, I don't know everything about his life, but here's one thing I do know from what I see. That he is a man of courage. He is a man of fortitude. Because many of the cities in Ukraine are... Are what? But to this moment, he has not... Are y'all picking up what I'm laying down? I'm in my hotel room, and I'm like... That's leadership. That's leadership. Some people think he's crazy. I call it leadership. Because he's standing up and basically saying, listen, I am not going to let you, Putin, come in, displace me from my homeland and take my freedom. I'm not going to just sit and let you come in and just take what you want. In so many words, Zelensky is saying, I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to stay right here. I don't need to ride out because I'm going to stand my ground for my people and for their freedom. How many of y'all know that's courage? Some people call it stupidity. I call it courage. And I'm not endorsing everything about him, but I am endorsing the courage that's on his life to say to his enemy, well, I may be surrounded, but I'm not surrendering to you. Boy, y'all are quiet today. I hope you see this. 
that's a man of courage. And I'm there in my hotel room and the Lord spoke to me and he said, that's what I want to get all my people in the church. It's the same thing of the same spirit of courage that's upon him. It was upon us. We could stand flat footed against all of the enemies that come against us, giving Jesus praise through it all because we know that the victory is ours in him for the good of God's people, for the glory of God to stand. Come on, y'all. We got to stand. I'm tired of Christians running scared. We got to stand. And I'm passionate about this because I'm your pastor and I see some of you running when you should be standing. And I'm not mad at you. I'm jealous for you in the sense that I, as your pastor, I want to see you close to the Lord, close to people in the church. I'm not jealous of you for that attention you can have with God and the fellowship you can have with his people. There are people who aren't in church today. Because the enemy came at them and they just run for their lives or they're just sitting at home like this. And I'm not saying that the sum total of your victory in Jesus is about coming to church, but it's certainly nothing less than that. How many of y'all know when you come here, you're surrounded by God, but you're also surrounded by one another. And we need to be here every single Sunday, lifting up holy hands, announcing to the powers and principalities that Jesus is Lord and the victory is ours. Come on, y'all, believe this. You need one another. You need me and I need you to stand. All these Christians running, where are you going? Where are you going? Don't let the devil punk you out. Don't let sin threaten and, 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 and scare you out of the church. Where are you going, I say to people? Come on back, stand your ground. Stand your ground. Because some Christians are just like... All but giving the keys to the devil to their home. Ooh, go ahead. You want my joy? Okay, you can have it. Peace. Psh, there you go. And I'm watching the enemy come and still take things from you that the devil doesn't own. Your joy, your peace, and the freedom that Jesus died to provide when he died on that cross for you. Don't let the devil take what doesn't belong to him. see it happen all the time. You can't make this up, this passion that I have. And you don't even understand it until you're a pastor, until you see the enemy take people out one by one who refuse, those people refuse to engage. So you see my passion you can't put that in the notes and say, be passionate right here. I want you to hear my heart. I want you to make it to the end. I don't want you to be taken out or taken down by the devil, by his demons, or by any enemy. I want to grab your hands. If it's at the end of your life, it's when Jesus comes back. We're all going to be together eventually with God in heaven. I want to say as your pastor, Jesus these are your people. They stood on your word. They stood on your promises. And I want to hear Jesus say to you, well done, good and faithful servants. That's my heart. That's my heart for you. And by God's grace, we're going to make it. Come on, y'all. We're going to make it, aren't we? We're going to make it because of his grace in our lives. But we should be as steadfast about the purposes of God as Zelensky is about his own country. 
we should be steadfast. So it's time for us to stand our ground and to serve the enemy. Notice that he cannot have what right, rightfully belongs to us. You can't have my joy, devil. You can't have my peace. That belongs to me. God gave me that, so you can't have it. You know, sometimes you just got to risk the look, risk, excuse me, the, uh, you have to take the risk to just look stupid sometimes. You know what I do sometimes in my house? I feel the devil coming against me. You know what I say? No! Kids are like, whoa. You, you speak to the devil. No! You can't have what Jesus died to provide. This belongs to me. Get out of my life. Speak to your enemy. Stop running from him. In Jesus' name, get him running from you. He's not scared of you, but I promise you, he don't want any part of your Jesus. Oh, yeah, he, he attacked him. I get it. There's a spiritual warfare still going. I get, but Jesus crushed him on the cross, broke his power. And Jesus is coming again to complete his work in the world. And Jesus will have the final say. And therefore, because of that, we don't lose heart. What do they call it here when you get the chills? The just got them. Just got them. Ooh, y'all feel that? I just ooh. So I'm gonna give you three things. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna go home. You must never, ever, 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 never surrender to the enemy. In whatever form of attack comes your way, don't you ever surrender to him. Why? Because if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you three reasons. I could give you 30. I'm going to give you three. You're welcome. Number one, the person who stands with God is always, and I repeat, always surrounded by God. Are you standing with him today? Are you on his side? It's not, Lord, come be on my side. It's, Lord, you're the king. I'm getting on your side. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That means turn from your kingdom and pursuing your ways. Turn and pursue him. Get on his team and support his ways. Does that make sense? So if you stand with God, you're surrounded by God. And, and listen to me carefully. I think it was John Knox, the great reformer. He says this, and the person who stands with God is always in the majority. Always in the majority. So, if God be for you, who could be against you? Oh, a lot of people. Paul was very well aware of the fact that many <laughs> were against him. But his point stands, if, if God be for you, does it really matter who's against you? Does it? Think about this. The Lord of heaven and earth, the God who always has been, the God who always will be, the God who spoke a hundred billion galaxies into existence says he's for you. You know what that does for me? It makes me say, thank you, God, 
Because by nature, I wasn't for you. But when I was at my worst, God sent Jesus, the best, to die for me, to bleed, suffer, die, to rise from death for me. And so listen, if you ever, ever wonder, does God love me? All you need to do is look back to that old rugged cross where Jesus bled, where he hung there to die for you almost all alone. It was there on that tree where he stretched out his hands and said, I love you this much. And though he died, come on, y'all, he rose back from death with the promises of God in his hands saying, I did that for you. Me? Yeah, you. If you knew my story, if you knew mine, if you knew my sin, oh, I could tell you about my sin. You say, let me hear it. You'll never know. I could tell you. I could, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I got a lot to share about my past. Raise your hands. You got a past. You got a jacked up past. And you think, oh, God could never love me. Listen to me. The sin in you is great, but the grace in him is greater. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, Jesus overcame it all. Your guilt, your shame, your darkness. He's the light of the world. He's the light of your world and mine. And he did it because he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Do y'all believe it today? I'm working hard. So that you'll get this. So the person who stands with God is always surrounded by God. Number two. Please know this. Please, please, please know this. The battle, it doesn't belong to you. The battle belongs to the Lord. If there's one thing in life, in your Christian life, that will wear you out, it's not just working 50, 60 hours a week. Yeah, that will weary you physically. But I'll tell you something that will wear you out. Mentally, emotionally, and by extension, physically. Unbelief unbelief, striving in your own power to make things happen, things that you're trying to do that only God himself can do. That, my friends, will wear you out. And the unbelief is, well, Lord, I know you can, but I don't believe you will. Therefore, we feel like we have to do, we have to step in to overcompensate for what he's failing to do. Lord, never mind, I got this. And he's like, okay, we'll see. I got this relationship, though you've had 50 that have failed. He's like, okay. Are y'all with me? Proverbs 21, 31 says, the horse is made ready for the day of battle. But victory, the victory belongs to the Lord. You see it? Do you believe it? Every battle belongs to him. And that doesn't mean that you just sit around quoting this passage going, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to sit here and I'm just going to wait for you to do what only you can do. That's not what it means. Because the writer's careful with his words, isn't he? What's it say? Read it with me. The horse is what? Whoa, is what? For the day of. Okay. In other words, in the context of ancient warfare or warfare, where horses are used, 
pull out the horse. Prepare you for that time. You prepare the horse. Tighten the saddle. Do everything to prepare the horse. And then you get on it and you ride out prepared as the man of God. You ride out onto that battlefield knowing that you've done your part, what he's asked you to do, but knowing that the outcome doesn't belong to you. The outcome is not dependent upon your preparation. The outcome is dependent upon the goodness of your God. And you ride out into battle knowing that victory rests with him. And it doesn't matter how small you are, it doesn't matter how big they are. Because if you have heaven's perspective, you would know that the ones who are with you, the one who is with you is greater than all of those who are against you. If you could just see your God, the power of his protection and his promises. You wouldn't even think about running. If you could see, if you could see beyond the natural, into the supernatural. It wouldn't matter what you're walking through, what challenge you're facing. It wouldn't matter who surrounds you. If you know that God is on your side, if you know that God is for you, that truth, if you don't know any other biblical truths, but you get that, that truth will get you out of bed in the morning when you're suffering with depression. That truth will cause you to get up another day though your spouse is acting like a fool. Get up. And baby, I don't know how this marriage is gonna work, but I know this, God is for us. God is on our side. The battle, I told someone earlier, he's fighting for his marriage. I said, bro, you do everything, you do everything you're supposed to do. But know this, this battle belongs to the Lord. And oftentimes we're trying to change people. You ever try to change somebody? Hello? How'd y'all do with that? I'm here, did it work? Anybody do? You ever try to change your spouse? Anybody have the gift of nagging? I'm sorry, the gift of repeat. That's a euphemism. There we go, okay. You do that because you think the battle belongs to you, but it doesn't. The battle is in the heart. That's the battleground. You have to trust God to win that battle in their heart. The horse is made ready for the day victory belongs to Yahweh. Somebody got that. What do they call it again? Yeah. I'm almost done. Don't you leave. Number three. The way it is now in the world is not the way that it will always be. You say, Pastor Scott, what do you mean? I mean, I get it, but what do you mean? Y'all, we're in the middle of a war. I mean, I think about my own life. I could try, I'm sorry, you guys just lost your dad. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, as I pastor y'all, 
I mean, I'm in Scottsdale, I'm getting texts of people, you're walking through crisis. I said this, I think last Sunday, crisis never shows up and goes, is this a good time? If it did, what would you say? No. We live in a fallen, broken, let me be plain, jacked up world. And y'all, times I get tired. <laughs> y'all ever get tired? Boy, the battle can make you weary, huh? But please know this. All this is going to come to an end one day. And our ultimate hope shouldn't be in a politician, in another nation, in a military alliance, even though God can use those things. The only one who can bring true peace to our lives and to this world is the Prince of Peace, and his name is Jesus Christ, the Son of the Living God. He's the only one. And Revelation 19 says that Jesus is coming back. And he's not coming back to win friends and influence people. He did that the first time. The second time, Revelation 19 depicts Jesus as coming riding on a, speaking of a horse, it's a picture on a white horse with a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth to strike down the nations. See, that's Jesus. That's him. Our hope and our trust must be in him and in him alone. And I can't wait. I can't wait. On my best day, this is the prayer of my life. On my worst day, it certainly is. Jesus, you came the first time. Jesus, would you please come again to complete your work in this world so that the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. Lord, would you come again? And the Bible says he's coming again, y'all. And Jesus is coming back to tread out the wine press of the fury of the wrath of God. He's coming down to strike down wickedness in the world. He's coming back to establish his kingdom and his perfect peace forever. And John said, behold, I see a new heaven and a new earth. In Genesis 3, the serpent entered creation. But in Revelation 20, the serpent gets cast out of creation. And then in the new heaven and the new earth, there will be no Satan. There will be no sin. There will be no sickness. There will be no setbacks. Only the glory of God, us walking in the light of his presence forever. The lame will leap and the deaf will hear and the blind will see. And there will be no prejudice, no racism and no warfare. Just pure joy and glory in the presence of God forever. Come on, if that doesn't light your fire, your wood is wet, Cajuns. Come on, give them some praise. That's what we have to look forward to. My God. That's the promise of God. Therefore, surrender. <laughs> surrender to a defeated foe whose eternal destiny is the lake of fire forever. Don't think so. Surrender to falsehood, to evil, to temptation, to the fleeting pleasures of this world? I don't think so. So here we are in the middle of a big war, in the middle of a huge war. And did you know that you have a role in the war? You're like, Pastor Scott, you're getting political. 
Now let me get spiritual. Did you know you're to go aerial in the attack? You say, what are you talking about? Listen to me, prayer is our greatest weapon against evil in this world. We are called to pray. We are called, and I want you to join me as I pray now for the people of Ukraine, for the mamas, for the children, for the elderly, for people on the run. I want you to join me as I pray for God to do there what only he can do to bring peace to that region. My prayer is Lord, surround the Ukrainians and bring peace to that nation. And my prayer is Lord, in the midst of the bloodshed, Lord, remind those people of the one who shed his blood for them. Let the gospel go forth in Ukraine, throughout Russia, come on y'all, through Asia and through Europe. And Lord, let your glory cover those regions as the waters cover the sea. Let the dead awake, let the blind see. Oh, and it's so easy to sit here in Louisiana and go, I got a parade later, I don't have time to pray. People are dying. And we have this place in the battle to engage the enemy, powers and principalities and come in Jesus' name to cast down strongholds, to pray for God's kingdom to come for his will to be done. Come on, saints, join me. Come on, don't just sit back and that's a good message. Come on, rise to your feet with me right now. Lift up your hands right now. Come on, off your feet. Come on, let's raise our hands to the living God. Let's do war right now. Don't worry about your clock. Don't worry about where you gotta be right now. I know many of you feel, you feel surrounded. And maybe you are. But right now you gotta stand on your feet flat-footed and say, I am not gonna surrender. I am not gonna give in to the enemy. Come on, lift your hands with me right now. Lord, in Jesus' name, we stand. We stand on your word. We stand on your truth. We stand, God, because we know that the battle belongs to you. And Lord, right now, we lift up our hands. We stretch forth our hands. And Lord, we pray right now that the people of Ukraine would know that those who are for them far outnumber those who are against them. Give them eyes to see right now. Let the church there, the missionaries there, let them see us praying. Let them see the angelic host. More than anything, Lord, let them see you, Jesus. Right now, right now, God, I pray. We pray. Come on, people of God. Let's pray for the people of Ukraine. Come on, in your own words, whatever it is, just lift them up right now. Whoever God's placed on your heart, from the president to the peasants of Ukraine, from the highest to the lowest, to all the people there, let's lift up holy hands and let's pray right now that God's blessing and protection would be upon them. Lord, we pray now that you would save. Come on, saints, pray with me. Pray with me. We pray you would save those people. Save them physically, but Lord, deliver them spiritually. Set them free, Lord. Lord, we pray for the missionaries. We pray for the church there to arise. Lord, we pray for the gospel to go forth, for truth and light to be released there, God. Lord, we pray that you would use Putin and his purposes for your glory. Lord, we pray that you would crush wickedness. We pray that you would come against, by your right hand, the injustice all across the world, but in that region in particular, Lord. God, we pray in Jesus' name for believers there to arise, for the church to arise. Oh God, have mercy. Show mercy, Lord. Show mercy. Show mercy, God. 
Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. 